Welcome to the Go All In Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Bruss, and today on the show, we have James Adam from 33percent.co.uk. Now, James and his team at 33% help clients to develop practical brand and marketing strategies, but this is not about them executing on your PR strategy, your social media marketing, or fixing your website. It's more about helping a brand to understand where they fit in a market, what their strongest value proposition is, and how to articulate that to the audience. Today, you're going to hear and learn about some practical and executable strategies that you can use in your business right away. Let's get started. G'day, James. Welcome to the show, mate. How are you doing? Very well, thanks. Thanks so much for having me uh, having me on. That's it's my abs- my absolute pleasure. Marketing, branding, and strategy is one of my not pet peeves. What's the opposite of a pet peeve? And one of my favourite <laughs> things in the whole world. To just- yeah, something you get into. I love it. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I love it too. A lot of people's eyes glaze over when you talk about marketing and branding and all those sorts of things. But it's at the very foundation of a startup. And in the last couple of months, in this COVID, crazy COVID times, towards the end of COVID times that we've had, I've had a couple of startups that have gone really well, and I've been working on one uh, in the last week or so. And uh, the the practicalities of executing on something and putting the thing together are pretty easy. The business is pretty easy. The The whole value proposition is pretty easy, but then you get bogged down in the branding and the marketing and how to communicate that message to somebody in an effective way. And I'm like, man, I should have started out with this. The idea was good. The product and service <laughs> is good, but I should have started with that. And now I've got to go and unpick everything and start again. It's hard work, hey? Yeah, man. I mean, it's. I think, like you said, people's eyes either gloss over because they're thinking, they think of marketing and think about the detail. They think about this overwhelming amount of stuff you've got to deal with. They're thinking about SEO and they're thinking about social media posts and they're thinking about that stuff. Or they're thinking marketing strategy is this airy-fairy kind of, uh, you know, this ethereal thing that they've got to try and wrap their hands around and turn into something that's actually usable. And that's what I've always hated about both the both of those scenarios. And yeah. that's, you know, that's where we come from is we're about trying to make that strategy actionable, something you can do and something you can really grab hold of and, and affect your business from doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've got a, uh, a fairly deep and extensive background in marketing and branding, a lot on the side from a tradesman, actually, in my digital marketing agency, which I no longer have because I kind of offloaded all that work to my bro. Um, I did a lot of AdWords around um, electricians, around plumbers, builders. You a lot of electricians, didn't you? Yeah, yeah lots, of, lots of different tradies. And these folks uh, are all the same unfortunately to a consumer the guy in the center looks the same as the guy on the right the same as the woman on the left and it's like what the hell how do i differentiate them so i I worked a lot in that space on communicating their value proposition and their and helping them to differentiate their brand both from a visual perspective an audio perspective a video perspective but also what is it that they stand for and how do you articulate that to a market and usually these trade-related businesses think that if they turn up, do a good job and charge a cheap price, they're going to have heaps of business and the phone's going to ring off the hook. (laughs) Unfortunately, that's just not the case, right? Tell us about your background in marketing because that's kind of my bread and butter and that's been the roots of where I've come from. What about you? Where have you come from in that? Well, I come from a a retail background originally. I started out... um started out looking after a chain of um, gift and gadget retail stores uh, in the UK uh, that we sold, you know, all sorts of random things like these yapping dogs, 
you know aeroplanes that flew around over your head and stuff like that whilst you were trying to work and so I, I got a bit of a baptism by fire I started I, I sort of managed to talk my way into my first marketing job within about two weeks my boss my marketing manager went off with stress never to be seen again oh the MD comes to me and said you're it pal do I need to employ a new <laughs> do I need to employ a new head of marketing and I was like no, I can do that. No problem at all. You know, like full of, you know, youth and enthusiasm and some other stuff as well. And uh, just had a go at it. And so before I knew it, I was well out of my depth dealing with 50 odd stores. I had a graphic designer and we were just winging it. And that's, that's the truth of it. We were just we were just working our way through. But it was one of the best, best ways of starting out. So I learned such a huge amount in a, in a few years there. And I've always loved retail. And I think that's something that's in, you know, I think that's something that when you start out, probably the same with you with, with your tradies, you, you, you'll always feel like a special place, a special affinity with those people. And I think that's something that I've never lost. I, I love retail. And, and I think that's what makes it so hard at the moment, seeing the challenges that they're facing and everything like that and, and wanting to do something about that because that's that's how I got my start. And I went on into agencies and things after that as well. But that was really where I, where I started off. Do you have a, a formal qualification in marketing? Because I definitely don't. I'm from the school of hard <laughs> knocks where I try things that don't work and I'm burning other people's cash in the process to do it. And I learned pretty yeah, quickly I mean, early on that when clients are shouting at you, when things are not working, not to do make those same mistakes. And, you know, I, I was the way I describe it is my clients talked me onto my target to use a, a military analogy. And that's because I kept making mistakes, not realizing what I was doing wrong and those things weren't working. So I just would never, ever do those things again. It, what, I don't think any formal qualification could have saved me from any of those sorts of things because you, could, you know, it's a bit of trial and error in, in a lot of stuff that I was doing over the years. But what about you? Do, do, you, have any, do you have a degree in marketing or anything like that? No, same here. I've got a, a degree in law, which I use uh, very, very irregularly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was a, you know, I didn't, I just knew that I liked, I liked writing. I liked the creative side of things, but ultimately I wanted to earn some money quicker. <laughs> and that's something that, you know, the balance of creativity and and capitalism, I suppose, is yeah. where, what led me into marketing in the first instance. And that was where, you know, that's where I came from. But no, I like yourself, it was, I learned on the job, you only roll out one uh, point of sale campaign across 50 stores, which is white out of yellow and can barely be read. Yeah. Uh, you don't do that twice. You only yeah. do it once and then you know never to do it again. And yeah. I think that's that so much of what I've learned was learned from smart people, people that I was working with and you know and, and like you said figuring out as you go along. Yeah, absolutely. What what about when you when you kick that off? What year was that? Uh 2000. Okay, so you've same as me, right? So I, my agency started in 2002. That's when I really kind of began, began my journey as an entrepreneur is I had my first business then and it kind of just evolved from there. So you and I have been in it at around the same amount of time, but we've seen the evolution of what it's become. So yeah. I remember back in the day, the reason that I got, kind of got into websites and I kind of got into all this digital stuff was I needed a website for my first business. And the guy that was helping us, he goes, yeah, yeah I know a guy, man, it's going to be all right. Like, we'll, we'll sort that out for you. I was like, all right, good, that's awesome. Well, you know, the inevitable question comes up, well, how much is it going to cost? He was like, oh, it's about 30 grand, man, you know, like, and back in the day, like 30 grand to a startup entrepreneur, even though I had a, a you know, the business was rocking and things were going on, I had no idea about cash flow management. And I had no idea how I was going to pay for something like that. And I thought, 
30 grand. All he's doing is sitting in front of a computer typing some code. How hard can this be? I this, can do that. This yeah. dot com <laughs> thing, this like, what is, what is it? Well, and that's sort of when I built my first website. That's where it kind of came from. But over the last 20 years, things have changed radically. The way things were done in the late 90s and early 2000s is completely different to the way things have done, are done today. Tell me, have you, have you seen some contrast? What, what are some big contrasts for you, some maybe standout moments there? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's been it's like yourself, really. You know, I've I've always had that. Maybe it's a bit of naivety, perhaps a bit of stupidity, but I've always <laughs> believed. How hard can that be? Like, if someone else can do <laughs> it, it, I'm sure I can teach myself to do that. Yeah. So anytime something like that's come up, I think that's why I end up in in full service marketing and marketing strategy because I've always just thought, well, I could have a go at that, and I'll have a go at that, and I'll you know when you know when when people were first creating video content and we were we were starting to think about whether we could do that i was the one who had a, a camera that i was just shooting bits of video and trying to sort of splice it together with you know a computer that barely could <laughs> could barely handle it and you know it's just always been i've always been interested in in what that new thing is and trying to figure out how it could work and, not, and but ultimately always about how it could work for the thing you're trying to do so it's less about the website because you want to do a website it's more about what's that website going to do and how's it going to get to people and how's it going to allow us it's i think the exciting thing has always been new ways of communicating with people you know when when like i like you when i started there were still faxes coming in there were still we were still sending out press releases on a on a fax machine and that's that kids is a, a weird machine that made a strange noise and uh, and sent pieces of paper through like wires it was bonkers but, I, it's you know, so true. It's, new, new marketing is all about new ways, isn't it? And if if you get stuck, that's really. I think you summed it up beautifully. I've never heard it like that before, so I'm going to borrow that off you, and I'll, I'll credit you. That's <laughs> that, that's a good one. I, I love the idea of the evolution is just finding a new way. I watched a funny movie trailer yesterday for a pretty serious movie called Silk Road, and the actor in it is Jason Clark. He's an Aussie guy, so I kind of what's that Jason Clark clicker I looked at it and it was about the it was about the guys who created the website Silk Road which if you don't know for the listeners uh, was the Amazon of buying illegal drugs online and Jason Clark plays the copper trying to uh, trying to get him and his boss is like man these are the first 20 these are the first 21st century gangsters and you're an old school copper who doesn't even know how to turn on a computer and send an email in the 21st century. Like, come on, man, how are you going to catch these guys? And he says, words to the effect, I can't remember his exact lines, but he says words to the effect that there's still people and they're people in the world and everything that they've ever learned has been from inside a room behind a computer. They've got no real world experience. They don't know how the world works. And it cuts to this clever scene where the SWAT team is stacked up against the door about to go in and kick the doors. And I thought... Yeah, that's that's so true. You you can have all the marketing sense in the world, and it was just like a metaphor for life. Really, you can have all the marketing sense in the world and all the clever creative technology and all this BS, but if you don't really understand human beings at their fundamental core, at the fundamental element of what makes somebody tick and what makes somebody attracted to your product or to your service, 
then nothing that you try is going to work and no amount of fancy technology or new platform is going to help you because the fundamentals of life stay the same whether you're kicking in a door as a SWAT team member or you're a, uh, a marketing guy the fundamentals still remain the same and I'm certain that if I went to a university today and, and began my first year of marketing the very first lecture I would go to would be a study about something that happened 30 years ago and they would talk about these marketing campaigns they'd talk about all these different things things the fundamentals remain the same and I love how you describe that as new ways speaking of new ways James COVID has hit pretty hard in your part of the world has there been new ways for you to do business and do the thing that you do yeah I mean you know this this whole thing really came about because of that because we were you know so I, I have a had a marketing agency I have a marketing agency that um, I've been running for the last 11 12 years uh, and we focus predominantly on hospitality retail destinations getting people you know we always talk it's all about getting people to go to places that's most of what we did um, and then they shut all of the places yeah so suddenly uh, you know, I've listened to the sort of last, you know, last few of your podcasts, and I think a lot of people have not, not necessarily felt that impact quite so much. But you know, but but it hit hit hard. It hit hard on our our clients. And the reality is that that what that does is it, it sort of separates the wheat from the chaff a little bit because some of those clients they've stuck around. We've we've been creative with them. We've weathered the storm, and we've come up with some really smart, cool stuff. And they're going to come out of this strong. Like really, really strong. And other ones, they cut their budgets, they cut them round, they buckled, you know, they battened down the hatches and they kept quiet and they haven't done anything for the best part of a year. And, you know, they're not going to come out of this whole process quite so well, I don't think. But but from my point of view, what it did is it gave me a chance to stop and think about what I was doing and why I was doing it and what I wanted from a business. And I think that's part of my journey has been that I didn't I didn't really plan to get into this process. Mm. I didn't really decide I was going to do it. It just sort of happened. And in that moment, that's when I, you know, it's to talk about going all in, that's that, that point at which I realized, you know what, I'm kind of, I'm just plodding along here. I need to do something and I want to make a decision and, and, and move forward with clarity and purpose. And that was really the change. So did it affect me? Like, yeah, massively, but also, hugely positively i suppose when you think about it like that yeah it's well well articulated and well said here in australia it hasn't been anything like what you guys have experienced there in europe and particularly in the uk you know, lockdown teaching your children to read and all sorts of stuff like that on the moment <laughs> well I, I think when it kicked off you know in march last year everyone was sort of you know and it's like the about this time last year when it was all that uncertainty and you know no one you know when you say the word pandemic, I sort of think of the early 1900s where people are get, it, get sick in the morning and they're dead by the afternoon. And that's what we thought was yeah. going to happen. No one really knew. Um, and there was so much uncertainty. But once that uncertainty went away, I think most Australians were kind of like, oh, man, come on, really? Seriously? <laughs> and, and these lockdowns went for a couple of weeks just here in Sydney. You know, it wasn't very long at all. The poor folks down in the southern part of Australia in Victoria were hammered by a useless government. And they were locked down for pretty much six months. Um, and it just such a such a negative thing, such a um, such an impactful thing that happened to businesses. But you know, on on the other side of that, everything is polarity, right? There's re these really bad things going on in society and in the community, and all this conspiracy BS that's out there about all sorts of things. But the reality is, people still have to put food on the table and they have to eat. And one of the one of the favourite things that I saw that came of all of this is the resilience people have, and 
pre-COVID, there was a whole lot of lefties here in Australia all saying that, oh man, you know, this generation is like too soft. And, you know, every generation says that. And everyone complains about how much, how much easier it, or how much harder it used to be and how much easier it is today. But when this happened, it was a leveler for everybody. And it was really enlightening to see the resilience of people and business owners that could pivot and when life deals you lemons you make lemonade and the vast majority of people that i dealt with have been like that so it's really interesting to hear that you say that some of your clients have kind of closed up and battened down the hatches and have done nothing over that period of time have you seen that starting to come back a little bit is it emerging a little bit yeah it's, it is interesting it's starting to come back again now i think can you you know like you said there's there's loads of examples of people that I've absolutely crushed it during this. If you're an online business, happy days. If you're selling garden furniture, anything to do with like making the best of the house that you're stuck in, yeah. then you're doing absolutely fine. And there's loads of people that have done great uh, because of that. But but yeah, like a lot of people were you know were panicked and, and understandably because they're just told that they're not going to be able to open for the first time in goodness only knows how long. So you get it. Like I get why people would be scared and why people would choose not to do something. But but yeah, you kind of you feel like okay, you can you get. A couple of weeks to do that if you want but yeah. then you've got to do something then you need to think of another way of doing this you've got to come up with that delivery offering you've got to come up with that proposition that gets you in front of your customers or at least just keeps you talking to them because that demand's going to come back the people are going to want to go back to a hotel people want to go back to venues to see events to do things and and you want to be at the forefront when that happens and it's just like you said before it's just it's human nature, and that's all it is. All the ta- all the tactics, all the techniques, all the everything in the world can't be knowing who that person is you're trying to talk to and relating to them and making them want to relate to you. And that's what this is all about. Yeah, it's beautifully said. I think we're both channeling Jason Clark as that actor. I'm going to find that and I'll put the link to that trailer <laughs> in the show notes. We'll stack up as a SWAT team and say, hey, human nature never changes. It doesn't matter who you are yeah. or how fancy your website oh, is or your marketing campaign or anything like that. Tell me, James, what's the outlook for 2021 for you and your clients? Is it positive? What, what are you thinking? What are you seeing? Yeah, I think it's looking good. I think we're really going to see the, like you said, we're going to see the demand coming back for sure. For you know, for places to go, for destinations, hospitality, retail, those kind of sectors are going to are going to start to boom again. They've got some recovery to do. Obviously, they've got a decent amount of time where they weren't making a lot of money, but it's that's going to come back. And then from from our point of view, from the thirty three percent side of things, we're just we're being able to get in front of more and more small businesses and helping more people. And that, that is just incredibly exciting on a personal level as well, because those people that do need help, we're able to be there and I'm able to help those people a bit more, which I wasn't really able to do whilst, you know, as part of a, a larger agency. Yeah. Beautifully said, mate. I'm great. Glad to hear that uh, the outlook is positive for you. Let's take a little break. there. If this is your first time here at the Go All In podcast, uh, welcome. It's great to have you here. And if you're back for more, welcome back. It's great to have you back. And as I like to say all the time, I love our repeat offenders here on the Go All In podcast. So thank you for your loyalty. Now, if you like what you hear today on today's show, just take a little peek at your phone and hit the subscribe button on the app that you're listening in on. That way you'll always have some motivation and some Go All In love right there in your pocket. And don't forget, if you like what you're hearing on today's show with today's guest, Make sure you give this show a share as well. All right, let's get back to the show.
Well, James, people will come on over to the Go All In podcast to learn more about others that have gone all in. So if you could, mate, can you please share with us your biggest Go All In story or stories and the lessons that you've learned from your commitment to success? Yeah, I think that, you know, I touched on it before when we talked about that that moment when when I decided that I was going to do something different. And I think that's, that's the thing when you, it's important to understand the background really, which is that we, I, I didn't ever have this drive to start my own business. I wasn't somebody that thought I could do this better than everyone else I'd ever seen. I didn't, I didn't have that um, entrepreneurial spirit necessarily. I was working in an agency, that agency went out of business. A couple of clients came to me and said, Hey, do you want to just work for us? So I said, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, (laughs) And I thought, oh, I'll give it a couple of months and see how it goes and see what happens. And then, you know, a couple of months turned into 11 years. And, but I didn't decide that. I didn't make a decision to do that. It just sort of happened and gradually we grew and we got to sort of 10, 10, 12 people. And it was a great, you know, we, would, we did a really amazing work and it was fantastic, but it wasn't a decision. Um, and it was only when the, the, the COVID stuff hit and, the, and it gave me pause, it made me stop and think about what it was that I wanted to do that I made that decision to, as you say, to go all in and to, to choose to do something different. And that's when myself and, and Gary, my business partner, we started 33%. And it was, I was listening to one of your, your previous conversations where you talked about how you decided on a business partner and, and how that decision came about. And, and it really resonated with me because this was, it was a conversation that we had, two of us had where, I was telling him the story of, you know, this, my general woes of what was going on with my business. And he was telling me the story of the woes of his business. And we started talking about never talking about the fact we wanted to set up a business together, just talking about what we wanted from a business, what our vision was from where we were. And we we just hit this point where we realized there's all these people, these small businesses that we've lost touch of by running our my business was not big, but it was certainly generally dealing with larger clients and we weren't able to deal with smaller businesses and we weren't able to have that impact. And that's the thing that we both really, really missed. And I, cause I love working on marketing campaigns. I love working on marketing strategy. It's just, a, it's a thing I love doing. And some people might think that's a bit strange, but it's, you know, it is what it is. Um, and the more you grow and the more you develop, the less you get to do the thing you love doing in the first place. And that was when I decided, no, I'm going to, I'm going to carve out this time. I'm going to focus and I'm going to launch this new business. And we're going to just learn how to make courses. And we're going to learn how to build funnels and do thing tactics, stuff that I hadn't ever learned before. And we, we decided we we're going to do it all ourselves. Just like you said, we're going to go back to 20 years ago and, and rekindle that excitement of what it was to start from scratch. And we built you know, I built the website. I haven't built a website for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I designed the logo. We did all the, you know, Gary wrote all the emails, all the automations and everything, it, you know, so it was, it was fun. And that, I think that's what it was all about. What about taking the leap, taking the leap from employment, steady job to your own business? Is that kind of a leap of faith? Is that's, that's the ultimate go in moment there. What did you do to prepare for that? Were you ready? Did you, have you got like a decent bank balance to give you a little bit of runway there? Or you're just like, whatever, man, I'll just go and work it out. No plan B. Yeah. I think, um, I think how much I didn't like working for other people was a pretty big motivator. How, how generally how bad I was. I think I always talk about this idea that I wasn't I didn't want to be an entrepreneur. I didn't Mm -hmm. want to start my own business. But actually, when I look back at it, I realized I was a horrible employee. I was, (laughs) I was very, very bad. 
at working for other people. I'm not great at taking direction. I generally want to do what I want to do. And I feel like I've got the answers sometimes. But, yeah. and so when, when that opportunity came, it was, it was a no brainer. It wasn't work. It wasn't even something I had to think about because I was, I was presented with an opportunity to start a business with some clients that were already with me that I, that I loved working with were great clients. And why wouldn't you like what I'd be bonkers not to, you know, not to take that moment to have a try. I think to be honest, the bigger moment was when I decided to rent an office and start employing people because mm. when you're just working in, you know, a back bedroom warrior and you're just, you know, 10%ing things, you're, you know, you're outsourcing stuff here and there and you're making money off that. It's, it's sort of, you feel like you could just walk away anytime yeah. because you could. Yeah. Um, and you could do it all again if you needed to. You, yeah, exactly. But as soon as you employ a person, as soon as you sign that lease and that I think was about, it was about four, four or five years about four years after I started that I think was the biggest moment when I really decided, you know, that, that was effectively me saying, yeah, you're not playing at this anymore. This is actually the thing you're going to do for the foreseeable future. And it's time for you to stop mucking about and get on with it. And I think that, that again was another pretty big go all in moment really yeah it's beautifully articulated and and well said as well because everybody that's ever thought of having a business has to make those decisions at some point so you're kind of not robinson crusoe doing that stuff by yourself you know you've many people have gone through those same feelings and trepidations recently i read a book by a fellow named tim grover i didn't read it i listened to it i'm too lazy to read i get someone else to read it to me (laughs) and it's much faster i do it at two speed as well i can consume it pretty quickly and listen to it a few times Tim Grover, uh, his book is called Relentless. And I think this will help you a lot, James, because it will help you a lot to recognize why you were not such a great employee. And because I was the same. I I was... I was a good employee in that I'd shut my mouth and do as I was told because my background is the military and I'm used to be told Mm. to doing things that I don't really agree with or particularly like and just do it anyway. So, you know, you could call that playing the game. So I'm really good at playing the game, but I'm also really good at thinking about better ways of getting things done. And generally, as a rule of thumb, that's why people that are entrepreneurs don't make good employees. It's not because they can't take direction. It's because there's a better way of doing things as a more efficient way. And I've got this. I don't need you to tell me I've got this. And in Tim Grover's book, Relentless, um, Tim was the coach for Kobe Bryant, um, for uh, Michael Jordan and a bunch of other basketballers, you know, in, in the US. And he, and the whole book's not, it's kind of based around basketball, but it's based around the mindset of those champion athletes and for me for someone an Aussie reading these American books listening to these NBA oh my god you know like it's just <laughs> it's very American but yeah. to begin with it was but the first like five minutes of it was but then I realized the book's not about that and the title of the book Relentless is about how those people that are ultra successful in that particular sphere of the world meaning basketball have all the same character traits and he he gives it uh, he gives them three names that you're either a, a cleaner, um, a closer, or a cooler. And there's three distinct types of people that play um, NBA basketball. And somebody who's a cleaner, and I won't go into all the detail of all of the personality types that he kind of came up with, right? Someone who's a cleaner doesn't really care about what's going wrong. They just deal with what's going wrong. Somebody who's a cleaner doesn't really care about what the instructions are. They just know what needs to get done. They'll get it done. They just don't care who's telling them 
what to do. And you can be a cleaner, a closer or a cooler in any aspect of, of your life. It doesn't have to be in sport as an athlete. You can do that in business. You can do that in your relationship. You can do that yeah. in a bunch of different things. But I really encourage people out there listening to this podcast to go and grab a copy of that book. And I'll put the link to it in the show notes and, and check it out. And I think it will help you a lot as well, James, because when I recognized those cleaner type traits in myself, it made me go, oh, that's, that's why I'm like that. You know, often, <laughs> often I'll get something done and do it at world record speed. We stood up in the last week, we stood up a, uh, a brand new business that's already make, making money. So we've been backing and forthing and iterating on these ideas. We can come up with an idea. Boom, we got an idea. And the, the criteria for the idea for standing up the new business is it must make money from day one. We must not have to put our hand in our pocket to fund this business. All we have to do is a bit of sweat equity and and put ourselves into the business, but we shouldn't have to invest a cent into it. Then it needs to have an element or it needs to have only recurring income in the business. And then it needs to have blah, 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 all these other things. And it's pretty hard to come up with an idea like that. And after about three months of backing and forth, and we finally settled on an idea that we'd had for not very long, but we realized after all the iterating and all of the value propositions and all of the things that we do and all of our skills, bringing it all together, boom, we got it. And then in the last week, as I say, I stood up the whole thing. I built the website, recorded the videos, did everything end to end like that. And working from you know nine o'clock in the morning till 11 o'clock at night, and I'd get up in the morning, go, right, be awake at five o'clock and go to the gym and just pump out the hardest workouts I've ever done, come home, eat like a champion, do all the right things, sit down at my desk and go, right, and be typing at 80 words a minute to get this thing done. And that book helped me a lot because it helped me to understand the cleaner parts of my psyche and my mentality. And that's the goal inside of just about every human being on the planet. So every human being on the planet, I believe, has the same traits as Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant because every person knows how to commit to something and to go all in on something and to do something like that. But the way Tim Grover explains that in the book and the way he articulates it is just really, it's really on point. So I really encourage you to have a a listen to that. I think that'll help you a lot as well. Yeah, totally. I'll absolutely check that out. Hey, tell me, how long was it? after you decided that you were going to kick off your own business and get started with that before you had like a big win? Because I know people that are listening to this often hear these go all in stories and they say, oh, it's all right for you. You had a bunch of clients before you started off and all of that sort of stuff, you know, but I don't have anyone. I want to commit to this and start a business, but you know, is it going to take me three months to get a client? How long was it for you? Yeah, you're right. I mean, it is, it's easy to say that. Yeah. I did have a couple of clients to get started, but I think there's no amount of clients you can have that's, that's the same as having a paycheck that you know, you're going to get every, every single week. There's no, there's no amount of that that cancels out knowing you're getting paid if you're off sick No, all of those things that you have when you're in that comfortable world of being an employee. So anybody that takes that step to set something up on their own, I'm just, I take my hat off to you, every single person who does that, because I think it is, it is brave. And, and the people that do it, like you just described with, with nothing is, you know, that, that is amazing. But for us, it, it, it did take time. It took time. You know, we had a couple of, a couple of great clients, but it, it really took time before we, 
we we found what our sweet spot was, who those right clients were. And that was something that was really important to me, having worked in agencies, having worked with clients that I didn't like that much, having worked with clients <laughs> that didn't like our agency that much. I was determined that that wasn't going to be the case for me because it's hard enough running a business on your own when you don't have a partner and you don't have anyone supporting you. Like if you don't actually enjoy it, then you really are totally screwed, aren't you? There's no, you've got no chance if you're just not, if you're not having any fun. So that was the goal. And so it did take time for us to find those good, good clients. I think it was probably a couple of years before we really hit those that stream of really, really good quality clients. But when we did, man, the, the referrals just kept coming because like attracts like, you know, you work with someone that's that, that's aligned with your values. You're just going to keep getting recommended to more people like that, which is which is wonderful. And that's what made it so great. Yeah, it's, it's well articulated. I could see you light up a little bit there as, you, as you're talking <laughs> yeah. about when you say like attracts like. And, you know, when things suck, that attracts other things that suck as well, by yeah, the way. Does. So there's the, there's the other side of that coin. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah totally. You take on that bad project, you, you know, because you think it's going to make you a load of money, but you know you're compromising on a load of other stuff. Then there's just a danger that you're going to just go down a road that you don't ultimately want to go down. Yeah, on, my, uh, on the other podcast that I do called The Electricians Co-op, we do a lot of interviews with electricians. And one of the common things that uh, that we see with these folks that are kicking off their own business, they usually they've uh, finished their employment. Uh, they're ready to take the leap into their business. They've got a bit of subcontracting work going on. So they're sort of scaling themselves out, which is a really nice way to do it. But the common theme amongst all of them is they pretty much take anything that comes along to begin with. <laughs> and that sorts itself out after about six to nine months usually. And, and it's at about that point when they realize like, hey, man, you know, I, I've had like a couple of decent wins where I've gone to a job and I clocked like, 25 grand on a job over a two-week period so that gives me a little bit more runway and a bit more time to be a bit more selective about the next job that comes along so next week when mr and mrs smith call me and they want a fan installed for 300 bucks i actually don't need to do that because i'm looking for different types of work and i'm looking for different types of things so i think it's really important to recognize that when you're kicking off a business it's not going from a standing start of nothing from a job you go to day one of your business then all of a sudden you've got 35 new clients that are your ideal clients straight out of the gate it just doesn't work like that the world doesn't work like that no you like every you look at any movie director they you know they might do a number of things they love doing and every once in a while they'll take on that job that you know is paying them a huge amount of money for something fairly terrible but yeah, and they probably should know, have done that <laughs> that's fun but it's funding all yeah. these other things and that's what it's about isn't it and so, so sometimes yeah you're right you, you have got to take on a commercially sensible job if it buys you that time but you know going in and i think that's it's always about having intent isn't it? it's about knowing what you're doing and deciding i'm going to do this job i know it might be a bit of a pain but it's going to make me a bit more money and it's going to mean I can do these other 10 jobs that I'm going to love. And that I think is the key to success there, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And and I love your language as well. You know, you're, you're commercially sensible, which means I, this is going to be a shit job. <laughs> and they, they exist. You can't, you know, it would be wonderful, wouldn't it, to only do the ones, these wonderful, lovely jobs where the clients are darling and you get on perfectly and everything's roses and you know flowers everywhere but if only it's not the way it is. yeah it's just unfortunately that's just not the way it is and one of my one of my sparky mates the other day he came and said to me oh I, you know come to record a podcast i said hey go man how's your day and he's like oh he was just in a bit of a he was not really in a flap he was in a 
kind of a, a bit flustered, I suppose, and a bit frustrated. And I said, what's wrong, man? He goes, oh, I had to fire a builder. And I said, oh, yeah, how did that feel? And he goes, oh, feels so good, but now I've got to go and find some more. And I said, well, why did you fire him? And he goes, oh, we've been working with him for a couple of years, but he's a giant pain in the ass. He's never very nice. He's always late paying his invoices. And he just went through all the, the laundry list of why he got rid of the guy. And um, the, the problem is that electricians require, require builders to feed them regular work and to keep them going like that. Um, so he had to go and hustle hard. But interestingly, the next week that I saw him, um, I said, you know, how's, how's your week going? How's the, how's the hustle going? Because I haven't heard from you much. You know, there's a text here and there. There's an Instagram post here and there, but not much. And he said, I met this guy, this woman, this lady, this man, this guy. And he just went through the laundry list of all the opportunities that he'd created for himself. So I think it's also really important to understand that when you fire a client or you're working with somebody that you don't like, that vacuum gets filled pretty quickly. And in business, because as you say, you know, you don't have a paycheck, a regular paycheck coming your way. Things have to get done. So new clients magically appear. It's that law of attraction thing. And nature abhors a vacuum. Mm. If there's a vacuum there because you fired a client or because you don't have a client, why don't we show up for you? So don't kind of stress too much, right? Yeah. And also complacency can lead to a lack of action as well. You know, you know, the same for us, we were, we were doing well and so weren't hustling perhaps as much as we should have been. And I think that's something that can, that can easily happen. And it's dead, dead easy for somebody, especially, you know, you're a business owner, you get that moment where you just think, Oh, I can just relax for a bit. And it's dead easy to fall into that trap and to forget that, that hustle. And so that's, you know, like you said, when you, when you drop that client, when you lose that and you get that gap, you've got to do something to fill it. And what happens is that's when the growth comes in because you don't just fill it, you like overfill it. Yeah. <laughs> so you end up with more stuff and that's how, that's how you grow. Yeah, definitely. And that's, that's exactly what you just described. That's exactly what happened to Marpo uh, when, you know, he, he'd taken his foot off the gas is another way to describe it. And mm. um, when he had to go back and do that, he got back in the, the V8 supercar and went, hey man, this is actually pretty good. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the client started showing up. It's good stuff. It's a good reminder. And you know, this is the whole idea of the show is to keep people motivated and interested and, and let them know, you know, just because you lost a client or things aren't going so well for you right now, um, doesn't mean it can't turn around for you. James, tell me if someone's standing on the precipice of going all in and they're at that magical mythical, I don't know, it doesn't even exist, fork in the road in their life. You've got to go left and keep your day job. We're going to go right and take the leap into your business. What advice would you have for them? Just, I'd say just remember that you might think you're starting from scratch, but you're not because everything you've done up until this point is all part of what led you to here. And you've got that, you'll always have that and nobody can ever take that stuff away from you. And all that experience and all that knowledge it's what led you to the fork in the road, which means that the right thing for you to do is to go all in. It is to take that leap because you wouldn't be thinking about doing it if it wasn't the right thing to do. And so I would just, I would just always encourage people to to do it because if you don't, regret is worse than anything else in the world, isn't it? Not doing it, not taking a decision. No one ever regretted trying something and not succeeding at it. But but people think back to that time they didn't make that decision they didn't do that thing and it eats people alive and makes them bitter and that's just i can't imagine anything worse beautifully said well said don't live with regret and don't become that bitter old cranky person because you didn't have a crack good stuff
Okay, James, let's learn about your business, 33percent.co.uk. Tell us, like, what's what's the pie in the name there? We're a third. 33%. Well, yeah, it came from this idea that w- when we started out, the, our vision was that we had both, as Gary and I, had, had a, not a great relationship with our working lives. We hadn't been enjoying our jobs as much as we realised we wanted to. And I think we didn't realise necessarily that that was the case until we got to this little moment where we started to think about it. And and that's where, we, where it came from. The idea is that 33% is how much time you spend working. So you, the other time you spend Hopefully you spend it at home or asleep. Yeah, the other one was asleep, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Most, you know, and if you run your own business, it's probably a lot more than 33% in reality. But for most people, you're spending that amount of time working. And so we want it to be good. It should be awesome. You should love what you do. And and especially if you're a business owner and you run your own business, I was just seeing more and more of these people that started a business because they loved doing something and then they get bogged down with the process of running a business they get bogged down with marketing bogged down with tactics and all this stuff and they they just like they they look fed up and they look miserable and you you think what are you doing like you loved this and Mm. and i want you i want to help people love this and that's where that's where the name came from it was about you know making the most of your work in life and and, you know doing great things with it yeah we're both marketing I, lo- I love it. It has has good, deep meaning behind it. And it's really important. It's a good reminder as well that uh, you shouldn't spend all of your life at work. You should only spend a, th- a third of it there. If you could spend less, that would be even better that and spend be great, more with, yeah. your, with your family. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me, why do, why do people get it so wrong? You kind of alluded to it a little bit there where people are getting involved in things because they love it. Then you get caught up in the day-to-day minutiae of it, but you forget about all the systems and things that you were going to set up and you should have set up because that would extract you from the minutia, so to speak, and allow you to focus on the creativity and the things that you got involved in the business for in the first place. Why do people get that so wrong? I think people, I think people overcomplicate things. Na- people naturally overcomplicate stuff that they don't understand. I don't think that, I think that also marketing agencies don't help that process. I think there is that, that process of making ourselves valuable by making the process seem complicated and i think that doesn't help the pro it doesn't help matters but you know running a business is difficult like if you're doing it on your own it is hard work you've got a lot of different things to worry about you're the hr person you're the accounts person you're the operations person you're the marketing director you're everything so so doing that is difficult but I think people just, they think that they have to, first of all, they think they have to do it all on their own mm. and they think they've got to, you know, and there's like this sort of weird badge of honor, you know, and I had it when I started out, I had this badge of honor for working from, I get up first thing in the morning and I sit at my desk and I stay there until one o'clock in the morning and aren't I working hard and doing a great job. But the truth is I was probably effective, like, you know, half of that time at best. Mm. Uh, like you said before, you, you're so much more productive when you when you get up, you do something, you make decisions about the time you spend and you use that time valuably and you get rid of the jobs that you're not good at. And yeah. that was one of the first things that I learned was stop trying to get better at stuff you're not good at. Uh, when you're a kid, you get taught at school, don't you, that you should, um, you're good at writing, so you need to get better at maths or you're good at art, but you need to get better at your writing. Yeah. But that's just nonsense. When you start work, even when you work and you get your first job, they say, well, you need to get better at your client management, but you're, you know, you're better, you're really good at organization or, or whatever. But I just feel like, no, 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 just forget everything you're not good at. Just forget about it. Get really, really, really good at the stuff you're already good at and get someone else to do the rest of it. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a conversation I had with a, a client just the other day, actually. She was talking about uh, mastery. Uh, she, does, she does a lot of coaching for uh, women between 55 and 65. So a lot of those people in that demographic don't really have anything that's sold to them. So she works with women. And so there's not a lot of things that those folks can actually buy. So what she's do, she so she's got these products that help people online, and the, just the way that she she kind of articulates it, and the generation of people that she's dealing with are, are Jedi grandmasters at what it was <laughs> that they did. You know, I, I come across people from time to time who you know this guy's fixing a Maserati and he's get, you know a 1965 Maserati in his garage on Saturday morning and he's a barista on Monday through Wednesday and he's doing an MBA Friday through Saturday and all of this bullshit and you listen to it and you think man you're not a master of all of those things because what you are is just really busy and that's a metaphor for life and it's a metaphor for business as well don't be busy in your business there's nothing wrong with being relentless and sitting at your desk for 15 hours and working away if you're trying to get something done but there's a point of diminishing returns and usually that's about three hours isn't it you're effective for a first couple of hours of the day after you know begin work productivity is high have a little break come back productivity is lowering and then it's a diminishing return from then on but if you're working a project then you might need to be relentless to get that project across the line, which mm. is useful for you, but don't kind of be in that world as a business owner. That's really, really good. Tell me, James, about marketing. Tell me, what, what is it that you focus on? From my perspective, it's always been about the story. It's always about the hero, the villain, and the guide, and putting the hero, meaning the hero is the client, the guide is you as the service supplier, and the villain is, as a rule of thumb, the thing that goes wrong if they don't buy your product or service that's kind of been a, a fundamental for me over the last couple of years which has served me really well do you have some fundamentals like that or is that something you focus in on yeah you know it's a really similar the similar thing part of it is this idea of you know it's not about you and i think that's a lot of a lot of time business owners they think let me tell you about my amazing product i really want i've got this brilliant thing it's perfect for everybody let me tell you about it but the truth is it's not about you it's the customer's story you're just your best case scenario is that you become part of that story you've got to try and insert yourself into it and have a relationship with them and that's you know that's exactly what you know as you just described but i think for me it's the fundamental thing is it's not it's not rocket science. This stuff that we're talking about here, it's about people. It's about communication. It's about relating to people and getting into the head of who that ideal customer is. So we always, when we, we go through this process, it's a, you know, the, what, what I, what we call ruthlessly efficient marketing is the, is the kind of the program that we, we do. And it's, it's all about simply understanding what makes you special, where you're, where your thing is, who that ideal customer is, the detail of, of who they are, and really how to get into their heads because that, it's a psychology thing. It's you know we've, we've talked about it loads of times. It's it's about picturing that person and really really getting into their brain and thinking like them. And it was something that my you know one of my first bosses said to me right at the very start. Marketing it's not rocket science. All you've got to do is think like your customer, mm -hmm. and if you can do that, you can. You, you'll not go far wrong because you'll know where to talk to them. You'll know how to talk to them. You'll know what you need to say because that's how it is. When you've, when you've got a good friend or someone you know really, really well, you don't think about how you're going to write your text messages to them. You don't get your copy reviewed by three other people <laughs> to make sure that you're going to get good engagement from your WhatsApp message. You just send it because you know they're going to love it. You know it's interesting to them. And that is... 
that's how you should feel about your customer. You should know them that well, because you're not going to struggle then with your social engagement, with all of that kind of stuff, because it's just going to work. And, and that's what it's all about. The principles are know what makes you special, know who your customer is, know how to talk to them. And, and then they will react to that. Yeah, it's re- well articulated and, and a great response there. It's really useful. It's just value bomb after value bomb on the podcast today, James. <laughs> Thank you, mate. I know the, vis- the listeners are going to get some uh, use out of what it is that you're saying. And the promise at the top of the show was that they could take away something practical uh, from this episode and, and you give, you're delivering in spades there. So thank you for that. Mate, uh, one of the things that I've used over the years in uh, my marketing, particularly around websites and around ad campaigns, is to use intrigue and anticipation. And now more than ever with Netflix, Prime, and all the streaming services, the thousands of different streaming services, consumers are exposed to these types of things more than ever, so they're used to it. I was watching a TV show, I don't know if you've seen it, it's called Debris, uh, and it's really one of those interesting shows. It's about alien debris alien spaceship debris raining down on earth so they 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 look and they see this so stick with me here in in this in this analogy because you'll love it from a marketing perspective they they look into space they see this thing approaching planet earth then the debris starts raining down on earth and they realize it's the bits and pieces of, of a busted alien spaceship and it's about this cia guy of course and this mi6 woman of course and they go around and it, it's a modern day version of the X-Files, only better. And it's, and it's much, much better than the X-Files because it's not just about UFOs because all of this weird stuff's going on because of the debris raining down and um, really clever stories. And in, whenever you look at stories and whenever you're creating a marketing campaign, you're trying to create intrigue to get people to lean in. And you're trying to use intrigue to create anticipation. So I'm trying to fill the gap. What's happening? What What are you trying to say? I'm, I'm kind of, if you've got my attention by getting me to lean in, I'm tr- my brain is trying to fill that gap. And that's a story gap. And that's something that screenwriters have used forever since film has existed. But in this TV show, Debris, and I, I deliberately bring that up because I've never seen anything like it, is they have these gaps in the story where they just don't bother explaining what they are. And they leave you as the viewer trying to feel, well, if that happened, well, is this thing's happening, this interdimensional thing's happening, is that, is there must be a piece of debris, but then the, the scientists said that there was no debris causing that to happen, and the writers are just like, well, we'll just let the audience figure it out, we'll just make it up as we go. And all good science fiction programs have their own science fiction within them, and that's the the beauty of the writing and the beauty of the filmmaking that they use in this particular show is that there's these gaps in the story that you're constantly trying to fill in and you're constantly trying to work out what's going to happen. And you see, I'm sitting there with my missus going, this is what's going to happen. And she's like, no, that's what's going to happen. And this is what's, and I'm like, shut up. I'm trying to watch. And she's like, shut up. Stop trying to predict it. And we're going back and forth like this, having these funny conversations, these interactions. And the whole thing is prompted by them creating gaps that are not filled and you finish the show going, oh my God, that was hard work, but I can't wait for the next episode. It's really good. And it's such a, it's such a strong metaphor for marketing because whenever you market something, you want to create a gap that you want the consumer to try and fill in for you because that's the anticipation. That's them trying to do those things and trying to fill that gap there to get to the next level. And if you can get them to the next level and satiate them, you've created enough desire for them to take action and to do something. And I think that's, marketing at its very core and i'd just love to hear your thoughts on on that and if you've watched something crazy like that recently 
Yeah, well, first of all, that sounds amazing. So I used to love the X-Files, so I'm going to definitely check that out. But, but you know what? I think that analogy even goes even further, doesn't it? Because you're when you're looking at the streaming services or the, the millions of different things you could be doing, and then you've got all those options, and then you've got your phone and a tablet and all these other distractions that could exist, everything's competing for your attention. It is. It's not just, you know, you've got four channels to choose from. These are all trying to get you. And the, the ability to sit and focus on a thing is so much harder than it's ever been before so by like you just described by leaving those gaps by by getting you to have to engage or you're just going to be lost you don't have a choice you can't sit and look at your phone at the same time as watching that because you are not going to be able to do it and that's definitely didn't definitely didn't do that no yeah. yeah and that's true of great marketing as well isn't it that's when when that works you've got so much other stuff you could be looking at. If you're scrolling through a Facebook feed or you're looking through, you know, any kind of social feed or you're looking online or whatever, there's so much other stuff you could be doing. There's so much there to distract you from it. And and if you don't give people that gap, if you don't tease them or draw them in, then you're not, you got no chance. Yeah, you're not going to be effective. And, you know, stopping the scroll in someone's social feed is really difficult to do. And you can do that with gaps. And but but that's also hard to do. You know, back in the day, remember, they used to do these things in Facebook ads where they would kind of like people can't see because they're listening. They would kind of knock on your screen like, yo, hey, yo, stop check it out, you know, and it's like, dude, if I could, I would punch you through the screen because you look like a jerk. You know, that's (laughs) not stopping my scroll. Watch me scroll right past you, you moron. So you got to be careful that you don't kind of trigger that fight or flight response as well when you're creating those gaps. It's It's a bit of a balance. It is a real balance, and the, and the same with the sort of baity articles with the you know kind of check out this top ten list. You won't believe number three. You know that <laughs> those kind of messages, and you just I think people are like you said, people are wise to it now. That you've got to be more sophisticated. And I think that's that's when it comes back to psychology. It comes back to that knowing who you're talking to and really being able to to know what those those pain points are. That's that's what it's about is understanding the position the person's in when they're looking and knowing when you're going to get and when you're just not because sometimes you're just not going to be able to get them to to pay attention and some channels are just not going to be right for you and that's another thing that i think people people forget about they think they've got to have a presence in on every channel at, at all times and, no. and in truth there are some people that are just never going to buy from you off facebook some people are never going to buy from you from google ads or whatever else so you've got to figure out where they where people are likely to to stop where that intrigue's actually going to work because if you don't, you're you're just wasting your time and ultimately money. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a really good thing. Well, one of the things that's on your website there uh, at the as I was doing some research for this interview is that you guys don't actually execute on the social media marketing or the PR or the actual thing. It's all about strategy and whatnot. And I want to, if I may, just share the the strategy that I've been working through in this new business that we've got going on. Yeah. And I, I can, you know, I use, use my podcast to get free marketing advice from experts on these calls. <laughs> so I'll, I'll take it. But I'm sure the listeners, the thousands of people listening, will get this as well. So the market that we're going after is real estate agents Um, and so at its very core when you think about real estate agents and there's gazillions of these folks around the world and it's a hyper hyper competitive industry and it's not very nice either Um, in electricians in the electricians co-op that i work with all the sparkies are just lovely you know salt of the earth (laughs) tradesmen who um, are really kind. They're nice people. There's jerks in every industry and there's jerks in all parts of society, but I haven't come across any at all in the electrical space. In the real estate space, um, there's 
bad reputation. It's not, you know, it's one level up from used car salesmen uh, wow. in, in the yeah. eyes of the consumer, you know, bloody real estate agents always promising the earth and never delivering, you know, and they'll say anything they've got to say to win your business. And there's, if you ask 10 people, eight people would have had a negative experience with them. So it's a really hard thing. And what we did to begin with is we stripped it all the way back at its very core and we, we forgot about our idea. We forgot about everything we were doing and saying, what is the number one value proposition we've got for these people? What is it that we can do? And then I said to myself, we're asking the wrong question because I'm thinking as the business owner, what can I do for you? And it's like, <laughs> I don't give a shit what you can do for me, mate. What I care about, because that won't stop a scroll. What I care about is what I can get from you as a real estate agent. So if I take off my my t-shirt and, and my tracksuit pants when I'm standing around my apartment recording podcasts and I go and put my fancy $3,000 suit on and pretend I'm a real estate agent driving around in a BMW selling million dollar homes around here, then all I care about is more listings, more sales and more inquiry. I want my phone to ring. So that's what the real estate agent wants. And at its very core, we built the whole business and the brand around that very thing. Because if that's what those people want, because really at its core, they want more money, that's what they want. And the way to get more money is to get more listings, to list more homes for sale and apartments for sale and properties for sale. And then to have a bigger list of people that want to buy those properties from them, will have something to sell. And then that what that will do is make them lean in. They're like, okay, you've got my attention. What have you got for me, Rob? What is it, mate? Show me. And then that builds anticipation and the intrigue and anticipation creates desire, which creates the inquiry, which creates the click, which creates the ultimately the sale. And so far, so good. So far with the, um, I don't know, 30 agents that I've spoken to, they're like, yeah, man, I'm in, I'm in. And I thought, thank God I got it. I got it right. Thank goodness. Because yeah. I could have I made the biggest mistake. I almost made the biggest mistake in the world by saying, hey, man, look what we've got for you. Check this out. I'd be like, that's good, man. Cheers. Good stuff. Cool story. Yeah, and you've got to be careful that you don't end up at, at that place. So I'd just love to get your feedback on, you know, that, that single-minded that single minded focus and just stripping everything back and getting everything out of the way to find out exactly what that value proposition is. And how, how do you guys go about that with your agency and with the people that you work with? Yeah, I mean, it's it's so it's such an easy trap to fall into, isn't it? Because you you start, everyone always starts off with this idea of we're going to go through the process, we're going to do it properly. And we did the same thing. We started out, we're going to do this properly, we're going to do practice what we preach and go through that process. And then you get sidetracked and then you come up with a cool idea. And then you think, oh, this is a really cool idea. Everyone's going to love this. Let me tell you all about this really cool idea we've had. <laughs> yeah, this and, is me. <laughs> and yeah, you know, You're, you're describing just, me before I stop myself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And then you you stop and and but what you what you talked about there is like that's the perfect way to do it. It's almost to you know you're putting on the outfit, you're getting in the car, you're putting yourself in the shoes of the person that you want to buy from you, and it's that's it. Like everything you can build everything on that because when you understand that person, you understand how they're going to make their decision. You understand that they're a bit of a jerk, and that's totally okay. If you mm. know your customer's a bit of a jerk, it's all right. Like mm. just. Lean into it, go for it. Like that's totally fine because then you know, like you know what they want. That, that it's that they want to, they want to get what they can get from you, and then you just know you've just got to be able to give that to them, and that that's the solution, isn't it? But then, obviously, it's you know, I'm I'm massively simplifying the process there because there's layers upon layers of then how you create that intrigue, but but it all builds from that 
that starting point where you understand who they are because then you can say things you know are going to push their buttons you know you know you you might find that that person's actually reacts better to needling than they do to intrigue they might uh, contradict if they're an argumentative person they might be more inclined to disagree with you so making a statement you know they're going to disagree with could be a better way of of grabbing them than um than trying to say oh guess what i've got for you over here you know this this uh, this sort of mysterious approach to it so yeah it's just there's no correct solution to to marketing to people it really is it's it's got to be done on a customer by customer basis yeah it's good stuff and one of the traps that i uh, almost fell into so i felt i fell into two traps right the first one was uh, saying to them hey look what i've got um, and, and i love that analogy of of creating conflict and taking a stand about something as well by the way that's a that's a clever marketing strategy to do don't do that all the time but um that's no, something yeah, it can go it can go very yeah very it can wrong bite in the bum right so, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the other the other trap that I fell into was, as you said, you know, if I know my customer is a, is a bit uh, prickly or abrasive to deal with, and consumers of that customer's product or service have had a negative experience, so a lot of people have had negative experiences with real estate agents, but when you talk to a real estate agent one on one, they're just normal people, and she's not a jerk. He's a really good guy. What are you talking about? They're trying to do the the very best that they can for. Uh, their customers with the resources and tools and skills that they've got no one i I, i'm generalizing because i see the good in people but no real estate agent goes out there trying to rip someone off or looks what they do is they see opportunity and then they try and capitalize on that opportunity and if they go about that the wrong way then the people the person or the people on the receiving end of that have a bad experience but that's all a matter of perspective and i fell into that gap and fell into that trap as well thinking that oh these guys have got really bad reputation how do i help them fix that reputation hang on a minute that's all a matter of perspective because the real estate i've bought and sold lots of properties over the years and the real estate agents that i've ever all dealt with have been great they've been 10 out of 10 every single time you know it's it's never perfect but if you when i look back at it in hindsight i think man that guy was awesome that woman she did a great job that was uh, you know i didn't get everything that i wanted but the world's not perfect i'm not perfect neither is she yeah Yeah, so i I, and i also i like what i'm trying to say is i fell into the trap of uh the generalizations about a community of people which is all about a matter of perspective because if you ask real estate agents if they think they're they're a bunch of shysters and scammers they'll go what are you talking about man there's a whole bunch of ethics that we have to deal with and there's a whole do you know the rules that we have to comply with do you know all of these laws you know how hard it is to get a real estate license you know how long i've been doing this no man it's not like that at all so that's all about perspective as well but you've also got to take into consideration that negative side of it and maybe that negative side of it is just like two percent of the hundred percent that's there and 98 percent of people have a good experience and only two percent have a bad one and those two percent are just much louder than everybody else so you know marketing is a is a funny thing when you're starting off something and you're dealing with things as well but likewise if you're dealing with an existing client base and you're in the electrical space in the tradesman space you're dealing with existing customers and how do you help them cut through to find more business how do you help differentiate them and how do you make those things happen and a lot of it these days is based in and around reviews i know that people are fact checking you the moment that you're talking to them i've been fact checked well who are you 
what are you calling for? And they're fact-checking me. Who, who is it? They're Googling me. What? what are you doing, man? Are you Googling me? Yes, I'm Googling you. Who are you? I just want to make sure it's not bullshit. And fair enough, people have got access to that as well and they want to see reviews. They want to know about all of that stuff. They want to know that you're a good person and that you are different to everybody else from the last shyster that came to them like that. I'd just love to hear your thoughts and opinions around reviews and, and why they're so important these days and fact-checking as well. Yeah, well, it's, you know, we've, we've you know, I've sat in meetings where I know that the person that I'm sitting there talking to is looking at their phone, looking me up whilst I'm sitting there in that meeting room because they haven't done any prep for their meeting. I've turned up and they're like, oh, it's just see, Oh, yeah, okay, this is a legit person that's got an actual business and they've got an office and all this kind of stuff. So it's, it, I think it goes beyond reviews. Yeah, like reviews, social proof, just general legitimacy. And authenticity as well like you've got to be real like there's no getting around it now there's no you can't fake those reviews you can't fake those testimonials you can't create a load of pretend case studies that don't really exist because it's so easy to see through that process and it's so easy to you know to to uncover if someone is up to a bit of mischief when it comes to that sort of thing but you know but the truth is, it's also so easy. If you do do good work, it's so easy for that the cream to rise to the top for you to get those testimonials from people. Because I think the other thing is, especially with small businesses, with independent people, with tradespeople, when you have a good experience, I want to tell people about that great experience. I know that you're a small business. I know that you rely on those reviews. So I'm going to leave you a review because I know how much it means to you. I know how important it is. And I think that that's, you know, it's, it's something that... I, do, I sort of wish more people would put that as part of their process. You know, when you know, when you go on and you have that client, you send that invoice, just make sure you ask for that review. Tell them why. Don't just tell them, I'd like a review because it would be nice. Tell them that it means it means a lot to your business. You're going to get seen on Google more. You're going to get further up the rankings. You're going to get, you know, more business on the back of it. And if I did a good job, then I, you deserve that. And I think that's, don't be afraid to ask for those things. Yeah, it's the very heart of marketing and a campaign and somebody and a consumer's decision-making process as well. I want to shift gears here as we're closing out the podcast a little bit and and maybe be a little bit controversial, but in a funny way, in a kind of a good way, because I get like, I don't know if you spend much time on LinkedIn, man. I got like 11,500 followers on LinkedIn or something like that. And I have these amazing people connecting with me all the time. It's just like that like begets like is just you know, the algo mm. shows more because I've got a decent audience there. Although I don't spend all that much time in there and I haven't spent a lot of time curating that audience. It's just over a number of years that it's grown to be like that. And for a LinkedIn audience, is that big? Nah, not really. It's kind of, on, it's on the lower end of a middle size side audience sort of thing, so to speak. But one of the things that happens to me all the time is people connect with me. Hi, it's nice to connect with you. I'm looking to grow my network. Click. Hey, I'll, I'll connect back with you. Hey, do you want to buy my stuff? I got this, man, I, I, can, I can help you get like 400 leads a, a week out of LinkedIn and I'll help you with your Facebook campaign and I'll help you do this and I'll help you do that. And everybody's using these LinkedIn bots to connect with me and to do all these things. And it's so grubby, man. It's such a awful, every time I go there, I'm like, oh, LinkedIn, just where's my Instagram? You know, I don't even spend much time there. Oh, God, yeah. what, am I, what am I even looking at these platforms for? It creates all this angst. But the reason I wanted to kind of bring that up and raise that and, and play with it a little bit was because there's so many agencies out there. There's so many different businesses out there claiming to do exactly what it is that you can do. But what you do 
James, is very different to what those agencies do. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, these marketing agencies in these third world countries. And, you know, they've got skills, they've got legitimacy, they're real businesses, but they promise the world and they'll say anything to win your business. And I'd just love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you've got to think about why you're doing what you're doing. I think that's one of the first mistakes people make when they're recruiting an agency is they think about the thing they want not the reason why they want it. So they, they think I need to grow my LinkedIn connections. I need to grow my social media engagement or, you know, more likely they say, I need to grow my audience. I want bigger numbers, I want more traffic on my website. I want more, 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 but they're not thinking about why they're not, they're not choosing a partner based on the one that's asked the right questions based on the reason that they're trying to get to that point. Because the truth is you might not need a new website. You might not need, you know, to, I always say to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. If you go to a social media agency and say, what do you think I need? There's a good chance they're going to suggest you need better social media support (laughs) because that's pretty much the only thing they can offer you. So that's the problem. And And it all comes back to this, not, not having that strategy in place, not having that process, not really understanding where you're trying to get to. Because if you don't have that idea of a goal and you're going to make loads and loads of mistakes along the way, and you're going to end up making that, you know, I mean, that that is the cardinal sin is, is, count, is counting bottle caps. It's looking for that number and trying to get to that, that you know, whatever that, that magical amount of followers <laughs> is that, that you're going to be happy with. But, but why? Is, I'd, yeah, why? Yeah. I'd rather have way, way less and have an engaged audience and have people that I communicate with that are not bots, that are people that are going to ultimately that are going to buy from me because that's what you want as a as a business. You don't want to have to deal with huge numbers of people that are never going to buy anything from you. So, you know, don't don't go chasing that that thing because that isn't that isn't the answer. But just the most important message is have that have a strategy that's got a goal in it you know you know you're gonna know where you're trying to get to and then the tactic is the vehicle that's what gets you there Mm. but you won't pick the wrong one because you know where you're trying to go yeah it's well said well said all right let's take a little break and close out the show James, we covered a lot of ground today, and it was been a, it's been a lot of fun, mate, having this conversation. We're bumping up against yeah, an hour and ten minutes as I look at my uh, little board here, thinking, man, that just went by in a in a flash. Yeah, and I, yeah. I think you and I could have some more conversations like this if you'd be up for it, and maybe we can do some more specific marketing type podcasts if you like. I'd love to have you back on the show. Would you be up for that? Absolutely, I'd love to. Yeah, it's been a really great, yeah, great conversation. Good stuff. All right, mate. I want, just wanted to give you the opportunity here to uh, to cover off maybe anything that we left out. Is there anything we, as I said, we covered a lot of ground. Is there something that you thought of that maybe you wanted to share with us here at the end of the show, or did we do pretty good and cover what you wanted to? Yeah, I think we covered. You know, we covered a lot of stuff there, and you know, we talk a, a, a lot about going back to basics and, and focusing on that that process. And I think that's that's you know, my advice to anyone that's doing this is, don't get bogged down in the weeds. Don't get focused on the you know on the tactics and everything else that people are telling you you ought to be thinking about. You ought to be on Instagram. You ought to have more LinkedIn. You ought to be doing that. And and you know, it, it's you go on your social channels and you 
you look at them and, and it can be depressing. And if you're a business owner, you get this position where you go online and it's like you're, you know, it's like you hear examples of kids going on social media and looking at beautiful other people and getting depressed about that. And it's the same for business owners. You go on and you look at all these other people doing all these amazing things and everyone's incredibly successful and nobody's having a hard time and everyone's going great. And you sit there thinking, I don't feel like I'm going that well. I don't feel like it's that good for me. And it just, it can be incredibly draining so i think you, you've got to remember that everyone's first of all everyone's only talking about the good stuff no one's talking about the bad stuff yeah. so be be honest and i think actually when you're talking about we talk about cutting through being authentic being real and telling true stories and not trying to gloss over the the mess that you're going through mm. that cuts through better than any self-promoting look at the amazing year we've just had and all this kind of stuff because that's just you know people look at that and it's just noise these days everyone's having a great time so i think that's that's the thing for me is just just don't don't get stressed out by that side of things by by trying to compete with other people by comparing yourself to other people it's your business and focus on that and and remember that you love it yeah, beautiful. Well said. Beautiful advice, man. That is so unbelievably true. I think part of the key to the success of the Go All In podcast is not interviewing celebrities. I've done a few, done uh, bits and pieces here and there. And when you look at the download numbers for those things, they're kind of not much different to the download numbers of just normal, regular people like you and me. And <laughs> the the feedback that I get is really telling because those celebrity interviews get not much feedback at all, but sometimes you tell a health story or a, a go all in story of somebody, just a regular person that has had this incredible experience and that generates all the feedback, all the communication, all the social media, all the emails and you think, well, you can get a celebrity story any day of the week, just turn the TV on, you know, turn turn on YouTube and look at the things that are trending and there's there's a bunch of it right there and people are so desensitized to that. What they want to do is, to your point, hear about real life people that can and that cuts through because you can see yourself in those people and that's what's relatable it's good stuff so great advice there mate thank you again again thank you mate for giving so much value and and sharing with our audience here that's really good mate you've got a podcast as well tell us about that yeah, we have a podcast. It's the the ruthlessly efficient marketing podcast, and we're you know we're going through this process at the moment. Right, like right now, we're going through this process of ultimately trying to make me a bit more uh, organised and efficient. I'm a bit more I'm more of the creative guy in our uh, in our arrangement, so that means I'm sometimes a little bit all over the place. Are so, you late to work Gary's, and shit like that? Yeah, a little bit. Like that, <laughs> but yeah, but Gary's a bit meticulous, and he's he's we're going through a process of trying to help people get a bit more efficient with the process. But as we go along, we we talk a lot about efficiency and, and how to get the most out of the marketing that you're doing because ultimately we feel like a lot of people spend a lot of time getting stressed about their marketing and we'd rather just get it done do the thing that you need to do so that you can focus on running your businesses and that's what we're you know that's what we talk about a lot on the podcast yeah no i saw right well i'll make sure i'll put some links to that in the show notes so if people want to check that out the ruthlessly efficient marketing show is that what it's called that's right. Yeah, that's the one. I got that right. I'll give you that little slice. You, you can use that in, as a grab for you if you like. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. I'll put a link, as I said, to into that show in the show notes for this podcast. So just take a little peek with your phone. And on that point there, James, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, well, we've got, I mean, actually, if it's been interesting, you know, some of the stuff we've talked about, we've got an ebook. If that would be, you know, if, if people want to download that and check it out, um, 33%.co.uk slash customer, uh, we've written a book. It's all about getting into the head of your customer and, and, and that, that process of, of how you think like one and how you 
get you know really put yourself in their shoes and start communicating in the way that they want you to communicate and you know and again if people would, would find that uh, find value in that we'd love you know love for you to check it out and, and download it otherwise people can contact me at, at james at 33percent.co.uk I, I love just you know connecting with people and talking to people about about marketing because you know i love it and i would i wish more people loved it like like i do like you and me yeah, <laughs> well we can geek out on that anytime ladies That's and gentlemen it. make sure you take a little peek at your phone and just visit that link right now and go ahead and opt in and make sure you get that little free download for yourself as well and get on their email list because they'll hound you 15 times a day until you unsubscribe or buy their stuff they won't do that absolutely not we won't uh, do that marketers definitely don't do anything like that but i'm certain no that way. there'll be some great value for you in that book so make sure you pop on over and connect if you've got a, a message or some feedback for the show today, you can reach out to me at any time via the Goalin website at goalin.com.au. Or you can send me a message at any time via social media. These days, I'm hanging out more on the Instagram worlds. I'd love a connection request over there at rob.bruss77. So make sure you connect with me, reach out over there, and let's spark conversation about marketing going all in. And talk about what's going on in the world because that's all good fun stuff as well. James, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and being so giving today. Really enjoyed your company, mate. Normally my podcasts don't go more than about 45 minutes and here we are at an hour and 15. So this has been a hell of a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it, mate. Thanks so much. I wanted to give you the opportunity for the parting comment, the final piece of marketing wisdom for today. What have you got for us, mate? Well, just remember marketing is not rocket science and you set up a business if you went that far and you did this thing don't forget the reason why you did it in the first place marketing is just a way of getting more people to come and, and see your amazing businesses and don't lose that passion build that strategy think like your customer and you'll be able to to create great marketing but ultimately it's all about your business and, and never forgetting the passion that you had when you started out and don't don't ever lose that beautifully said mate well articulated and thanks again for coming on we look forward to speaking with you soon it's bye for now thank you take it away take it away feeling too good to me Chilling all day, all in your space is where I wanna be. Here in this room, what did you do? I just can't get enough. Too caught up in your love. I've been trying to forget, but you won't let me. Something in my brain wants you. I've been hanging by myself, asking for help, but nothing. Seems to work on you, yeah. You always make me feel like oh yeah. You never leave my thoughts alone, yeah. You, you're the reason I'm going out of my mind. I just can't stop thinking about you. When you're away, nights are sleepless Do we need space? Yeah, maybe you're brave Boy, you're my weakness 
give and we take The love that we make It's my favorite drug Too caught up in your love I've been trying to forget But you won't let me Something in my brain holds you I've been hanging by myself Asking for help But nothing seems to work on you Just 